Welcome to a Cubs podcast to be named later. I'm your host, Joe Kilgallen. Big shout out to everyone who's been listening so far. I've been having a lot of fun doing this, and we will continue to kick ass this entire offseason. So far, bringing you podcast is number five, everyone. This is podcast number five. It's been a week since I've talked to you last, and a lot has happened in that week. I released my last podcast one week ago today. I believe it was Monday, October, blah, blah, blah. I forget dates. I'm not good with dates. Today's the 12th. I know that much. And um, it was before Theo Epstein's press conference. So the timing was a little poor on my end. I could have waited another day and then I could have recapped it. So it might be a little, a little bit out of people's uh, rear or in people's rear views. That's what I mean to say about that. Hold on, let me adjust my volume here just so slightly. All right, there we go. Uh, I hope that's better. Yes, yeah, so Theo Epstein had his year-end press conference last week. I'm going to get into that at depth in a little bit. First, there's a few things to address around baseball. You got to give an RIP to uh, legendary Cincinnati Red Joe Morgan, Hall of Famer, one of the best second basemen of all time. And, and if I'm being honest, I've not always liked his announcing, but tons of respect for the man. And uh, really, I don't think people realize how great a player he was. Now, he was on that big red machine that won the World Series in 75 and 76, and that team was loaded with Hall of Famers, but he was a special talent and came up that way, originally with the Houston Colt 45s, which is just a fantastic name that they probably won't bring back for a lot of reasons, but it was a cool name. I like that. I like it was a good name. Anyway, probably because of the gun imagery. I don't know why. They're just never going to bring it back, but you got to admit, it was a badass name back then. And Morgan was part of uh, a huge team, that big red machine. Another cool nickname for a team, Big Red Machine. Love it. And as an announcer, he seemed very old school in his ways, but that's the way he came up. And uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to speak any ill will of Joe Morgan. Not today, not ever, really. I mean, look, when um, when people who love baseball and I love baseball pass away, it's always sad, especially a Hall of Famer, regardless of how he spoke of my Chicago Cubs or whatnot. Still, guy had a great career, seemed to be a really good human being. People liked him a lot. R.I.P. Joe Morgan. In addition to that, Whitey Ford passed away. It's been it's been a rough year. There's been so many greats. Bob Gibson I addressed last week. You had uh, Lou Brock. Uh, so many, there's so many names. I'm, I'm forgetting a few of them. Now it's going to be up. Tom Seaver. Um, I'm going to forget a few. At, at the end of the year, at the end of 2020, Maybe I'll have on my buddy, Mike Bridenstine, who's like a baseball historian and a stand-up comedian like myself. That's right, everyone. If you're listening to this for the first time, I'm a stand-up comedian by trade, also a diehard Cubs fan. I don't know which one I'm better at, being a comedian or being a Cubs fan. Probably being a Cubs fan. I think that's like the thing where when I started doing this podcast and when I started focusing more on the Cubs with my social media, so many of my friends were like, dude, this is what you should have been doing the whole time. And I'm like, what? I shouldn't have been a comedian. They're like, no, no, no. You're 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 an awesome comedian. But this is what you should have been leaning to, in towards, and that's uh, your love of Cubs. So that's what we're trying to do. I'm trying to inspire everyone to be as diehard a Cubs fan as I am, and to enjoy and have some fun. Am I going to analyze some stats? Hell yeah. Am I going to bore you with that stuff? No, no. We're going to make it fun. So yeah, it's been a tough year uh, for all these guys. So at the end of the year, 2020, I'll do like a, a recap of all the Hall of Famers that we've sadly lost in this horrific year that has been 2020. Whitey Ford. I've gone over some good names here. Houston Colt 45s, Big Red Machine, and Whitey. Now, Whitey is a good nickname 
If you grew up playing 16 inch softball in Chicago, every other team had a pitcher nicknamed Whitey. He was usually a balding guy, very pale, of course. That's where Whitey comes in and could throw, could just could put that high arc, kiss the sky, drop it in right in that box behind home plate for a strike. That is a big time 16 inch softball reference. I hope some of you got that. There's always a Whitey or an ace, and you knew you were in trouble. You knew you were going to hopefully there was going to be an error. And if you made errors behind Whitey or ace, Sometimes you wouldn't be seen the next week. They would cut your ass. These mammoth teams, these, you know, franchises. There were teams like the Lemonheads. They played out of Brands Park. They were a bunch of guys in there, probably like 38 to 47 was the main ages. A few 50-year-olds, too. And they were all studs. And what they would do, though, every year, they would take a promising young college-age kid or maybe fresh out of college and they would go up there and just practice hitting opposite field. Because in 16-inch softball, if you can't get a ground ball to the right side when your team needs it, you're not playing championship softball. And that's why most of the teams I've been on have sadly come up short. We just a bunch of pull hitters. Makes us real easy to guard against. We didn't have enough lineup diversification, which is what the Cubs need to focus on this offseason. How's that for a transition? Huh? I didn't need to go to the Illinois Broadcast School to get that transition down. That's just natural. Comes right from the heart. Damn straight. Okay, listen, we're going to have some fun right now. We're going to have some fun with this one. There's, a, there's a, a, again, a lot to talk about. Uh, the White Sox have fired Rick Renteria. This is a Cubs podcast, but this ties in. Poor Rick Renteria. He was the Cubs manager up to 2013-2014 seasons. Or was he just 2014? He was just 2014. I think Dale Swain, Swain, he got two seasons. And then Rick Renteria got the one. That showed promise. The 2014 Cubs, the last two months of the season, I believe, were 32 and 28, August and September. So you're thinking, okay, young team, starting to show some signs. Still, you know, lost 90-something games as a whole, but hey, they're showing up. Their progress is being made. We can feel it. We're on our way, damn it. We fire him after that season because Joe Madden became available. And you know what? I like that move, obviously. It worked out. Joe Madden won a World Series for us. But it showed something. It showed me that they were serious about winning, which I believe they were. I don't think you lure in a Theo Epstein if you're the Ricketts, if you're not serious about winning. I know it's a name, but no, you know, GMs or presidents of baseball operations don't sell tickets. No one's ever said, you know what? That move alone, I'm going to show up for. Because every now and then a team will make a move where you're like, this is just to sell some tickets. They're not really serious about winning. This is just, they're just making a couple patch moves, which is what I felt like the Cubs were doing 2010, 2011. Now, I love a lot of the players on those teams. I'm friends with a couple of them, actually, the 2010, 2011 Cubs. But as a as a organization looking to take the next step or to get serious about winning, it didn't feel like that. It's either go full rebuild after the 07, 08 core got a little too old, and that was a very short competitive window because it was built off of a lot of free agents who were in their 30s. That's what made this Cubs window of a seven-year pr- projection so thrilling from 2015 to 2021, which I do believe the window is still open for 2021. And that's why I've got some optimism for you guys, even for you fans who are like, now nah, we need, there's too much work to do. I think it's best to just blow things up. We'll get to all that. We'll get to that. Um, I'm mentioning the rent to Rio because it's, I just have to make this statement to fire eight, to fire him. I get it. Look, I get it. Some people think managers are overrated. In, in a lot of sense, I, I understand that. Um, I'm a big fan of that Brian Kenny book, Ahead of the Curve. He has a whole chapter about it, and it makes a lot of great points. But they do factor in 
in major ways, especially around playoff times and taking your team to that next level when you don't know how to construct the lineup and you have zero feel for your bullpen. What's really remarkable, though, is, look, they only had two good starters going in. And Dallas Keuchel, I'm sorry, but your best years are behind you. And I'm singling out Dallas Keuchel right now because he was very quick to tweet. Right right before I went on to record this podcast, I saw a tweet from Dallas Keuchel saying, big things next year, White Sox fans or, you know, White Sox. And I'm just thinking, man, that's talk about throwing salt on an open wound. You had to get on Twitter right away and say that. And so everyone's bringing on the speculation. Is AJ Hinch going to come? He's got the relationship with Keuchel and all that. I just don't. I'm not saying people don't deserve second chances. They very much do. Cora, Hinch, sure. But this soon, I don't know. That was a major cheating scandal that Major League Baseball did not punish nearly enough. It was a slap on the wrist. It was a joke. And and people are already saying, bring them back, bring them back. I mean, how good do you think they are? And and I say that as someone who's going to recommend maybe the Cubs look at a couple Astros hitters as possible uh, free agent signings. But I don't know. I just don't trust the character. And I, I feel like there has not been enough of a punishment for you to just say, let's go bring this guy back. And he's going to be a distraction. Maybe that's why so much of the Chicago media is clamoring for an AJ Hinch signing or, or an Alex Cora signing. They go, oh, this is stories. This gives us stuff to write about. This is exciting for us. That I get, I mean, if I was in their shoes, I understand that a little bit. But from a fan perspective, I understand being like, no, I don't want AJ Hinch. And why does AJ Hinch and Alex Cora, everyone's saying, hey, they should get a second chance, which again, I'm not against second chances. I'm a very forgiving person to an extent. Uh, of course, but why hasn't Ozzy Gian? Why isn't anyone rallying around Ozzy Gian receiving a second chance? I guess maybe a third chance in a sense, because well, the, with the White Sox, I don't recall him other than that spat he got with Jay Mariotti, which it was a different time. I don't think you would say that word now. For those of you who don't know, Jay Mariotti was a columnist for the Chicago Sun Times for a long time, who was known for annoying people. He was one of those columnists, like I was saying before, about the people who were like, oh, yeah, let's bring more controversy. It gives us something to write about. He was that guy that would be like, well, I got nothing to write about. How about I write a three-page spread about how the Bears should trade their best player? Yeah, that's right. Four years into Urlacher being an NFL player, let's get rid of this guy. Like, he was that person. In 1995, he would write an article going, Frank Thomas won back-to-back MVPs. Time to trade him. Just stuff that would really irritate you as a sports fan. And so he got into it with Ozzie Gian, and Ozzie called him a, a homosexual slur. That's not cool. And yeah, so that was, I guess that might have been the first one where it's like, eh, dude, that's not. But he didn't lose his job over that. He just kind of outstayed his welcome. Where like, you know, that happens. He was manager with the White Sox from 2004 to 2012. That's a good long run. And they needed to shake up and they need to go in a different direction. I understand that. The only reason I'm even suggesting bringing him back is because as he's been around this team, he does the post game for NBC Sports Network. And Ozzy Guillen saw me do stand-up comedy and said I was hilarious. So clearly a smart person who's just only gotten more intelligent as he's aged, like a fine wine, that Ozzy. No, I do like Ozzy. I met Ozzy. I was was very uh, fortunate to meet Ozzy Guillen at Ryan Dempster's off the mound live show he did at the Vic a couple of years back. 
And the guy is a smart baseball guy. Has some fun stories. But I definitely think you get perspective from being in the booth. You see that you're now seeing the game a little bit differently. Every camera angle, all that kind of stuff from when you're in the dugout. And I think he could take that. And I just, I'm surprised no team has given him a shot. I just think this day and age is probably the PC thing. You know, he got ousted in uh, Miami over the Castro comments and just, yeah, I get that. But I'm just thinking, is that what's worse? Making some dumb off-color remarks or literally cheating players out of millions of dollars, screwing up the entire integrity of the World Series and your World Series champion. Slightly happy was the Dodgers they did it too, though. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not a Dodger fan. Their fan base was very annoying to me when I lived in LA for three years. Some really good ones, but they're, they're rude people. And I don't I don't I don't tolerate rudeness. I'm like Tommy Lee Jones's character in the movie, uh, the miniseries Lonesome Dove. I don't tolerate rude behavior in a man, is what he says before he beats the crap out of this dude. Great movie. Everyone check it out. Good book, too. Lonesome Dove. Uh, Larry McMurtry, I believe the author's name was. So, yeah, I mean, obviously you don't say bad things, but it's just what Hinch, and he, they clearly knew about it. They both were big parts of it. So they were suspended for a year. And now they're going to, and now AJ Hinch is going to get hired back in a dream scenario, a dream situation, a playoff ready team, a young, exciting team that you know the White Sox are going to look to add to because they know they're close. It just seems like, where's the justice? Where's the justice? And uh, I guess we'll see. I mean, again, I don't want to spend too much time on the White Sox managerial search, but it's more about baseball as a whole. Forget the White Sox. It could be the any other team. You know, a team that's right there. The Minnesota Twins. They could be looking at signing A.J. Hinch to be their manager. And it just, to me, it just seems really um, just a slap in the face. Again, there were players that, there, there was minor leaguers that got called up, got their first taste of big league action, got lit up because they're banging trash cans and cheating, and they've never seen the pros again. And then maybe they thought 2020 they'd get the shot, but this big pandemic happened and all sorts of weird stuff was going on in the season. They didn't get a regular minor league season to improve themselves. So think about that. Think you're you're a 28, 29-year-old pitcher. You get a cup of coffee in the show in 2019 or 2018, 2017 even. The Astros screw you over by being cheating bastards. You get sent down. Hey, you got to work on this. You got to work on that. When apparently, no, your stuff was good. Your stuff was more than capable of getting out major league hitters when they're not cheating. And as a Cubs fan, that's particularly upsetting to me because 2018 season, which I talked about, I think episode one, this is episode five. And again, sometimes in sports podcasts, I get it. You don't go back in time and listen to previous episodes because it's like, I already know what happened or you're recapping something we're all familiar with. I give breakdowns of stuff that try to keep the episodes evergreen. So feel free to go back and check out episode one because I kind of get into detail about the 2018 season and what a pivotal season it was for the Cubs over these last few years with budget stuff and with future considerations and with extending players and, and fan reaction or overreaction on fan side and on the front office sides. So I give the front office a little bit. Uh, I give them a little bit of credit and a little bit of guff on that 2018 season and how things were handled both going into it and leaving it. 2018 we was you Darvish's first year. You Darvish was injured, but also bad when he was out there performing. There's no shame in admitting that. Why was he bad? He was shell-shocked from getting lit up in a World Series. So some people were questioning his mental toughness. A-Rod famously questioned his mental toughness. Those of them in the know knew 
you Darvish was working his ass off to get back to that high level, that all-star elite level that he'd been, been a pitcher at for years with Texas. So he then had to try to figure out, was I tipping my pitches? Maybe I'll change my mechanics. Maybe I'll do, just doing all sorts of stuff that just totally messed him up, which leads to injury in sports. And that cost us 2018, uh, a good productive U Darvish in 2018, which led to us having to trade for Cole Hamels, who was lights out for us when we got him. We got him around the all-star break in 2018, I want to say, and was great the rest of the way. One of the big reasons we won 95 games. Then, though, because we can't risk, we don't know what kind of U Darvish we're getting back for 2019, the Cubs pick up U Dar uh, Cole Hamill's options, a $20 million option. We offset that cost by trading Drew Smiley to the Rangers, which was a setup deal in the sense that if we declined the option, it was going to cost the Rangers $6 million because they were going to have to pay that buyout because that was part of the trade. So if the Cubs would be like, no, we don't want Cole Hamill's back, then we're costing Texas an extra $6 million, And that's just kind of one of those things where it's like Texas is like, all right, we're not trading with the Cubs anymore. Screw you. You just lost a willing partner. And at that time, we had done some good deals with them where both sides seemed fairly happy. Picking up Jesse Chavez was one that year, too, who was very, very good for us in the bullpen in the second half of 2018. So because of that, we're bringing back Cole Hamels, like I mentioned. Now that's less money to fix some of the bullpen because that's $13 million that could have been spread out to a couple really good arms. Maybe in 2019, you pick up a Zach Britton, which I think the Cubs should have done anyway but because spending was told, hey, you're not spending a dime anymore, Theo. Ownership passed that on down high, saying, no, we're, we just can't. You could add a little bit here or there, but nothing big. So that's like, all right, force the Cubs to go into 2019 with a bullpen without a clear-cut closer and a lot of question marks. The Zobra situation happens, which nobody could see coming, which really was a negative for the Cubs as a whole because Zobris was that high-contact bat that helped. Now, I know some of you are thinking, well, 2018, we, we, we sucked and he was a good Zobris. Zobris was very good in 2018, 400 on base percentage, 300 average, struck out like 14% of the time, 13% of the time, walk nearly as much as he struck out, which is rare this day and age. That's elite. Those are elite numbers right there to have a walk rate and a K rate right around the same level. 2018 Cubs, again, I can't believe I'm talking about the 2018 Cubs again, but I just feel like not. it's revisionist history from so many sports writers and fans. The 41 games in 40 days or something, or 40 games in 41 days, there was just a lot going into it. Um, Chris Bryant being hurt. We won 95 games despite Bryant missing over 60 games, I believe. He missed like 61 games. And he still put up 21% above league average in numbers. Now, the power was sapped because it was a shoulder injury, so only hit 13 home runs. But you have a healthy Chris Bryant, a U Darvish, the Astros didn't screw up. The Cubs won 106 games that year and at least get to the NLCS. The offense still did have a couple flaws here or there, but if, if healthy, I don't even know if they have flaws if they're healthy. Because Zobers would have been the leadoff hitter mainly. You, uh, Javi Baez was an MVP runner-up. But even Baez got tired out in September from having to carry the load. That's why we traded Tommy LaStelle after 2018, because the Cubs didn't have a true backup shortstop. So they were looking for a guy who could play second and short, and, and LaStelle is not even an adequate second baseman. I'm going to bring up LaStelle in a minute now, though, because um, I think he's a free agent that we could possibly see back in Cubby Blue. All right, enough about the horrible Astros. I just wanted to bring up the managerial situation because, again, it still baffles me that people are just like, why not hint your core up? Like, what? You not pay attention? So Theo Epstein had his press conference, which is something he does annually. I believe he probably did with Boston, too. 
I don't remember it being a Jim Hendry thing or even hearing about other GMs or presidents of baseball operation doing such events, but I, I appreciate it. Even though since the 2018 one, which he famously said the offense broke somewhere along the way, the offense is broken, paraphrasing one or the other. I don't know the exact wording, but that was the sentiment. And then he didn't do anything to fix it going into 2019. I think he was frustrated with the way the end 2018 season ended and kind of misspoke about that. Then I think in that 2018, going into 2019 offseason, I think some contract extensions were talked about, possibly made, but then there was nothing was really going anywhere with them. And that's unfortunate in some ways, but maybe fortunate in other ways. And uh, yeah, I mean, that's the nature of things. I mean, it's a little bit different. I mean, people will point to other teams like the Braves or the White Sox again, locking up young talent. And we'll see if those pay off. I mean, the Phillies locked up a guy that's looking terrible so far. So we'll definitely see how those play out. It's a little different when you win a World Series super young. Because as an athlete, that's like the big goal. And once you get that, then you look to get paid. I've mentioned this in the past. You cannot fault these athletes for that. Look what happened to Dak Prescott in the NFL yesterday. Look, it happens a lot. Like these, You never know when your career could just all of a sudden take a really ugly turn because of injury. So I have no problem with these guys getting their money in when they can. These owners get the money in when they can. They got a first place team. Demand's high. They jack up prices. Beer prices get more expensive. Hot dog prices. Those are the breaks. So Theo's press conference this year had similar tones. So that's why a lot of the fan base is like, we've heard this. We've heard this. But it definitely seemed more concrete in which he said, we cannot go into 2021 with the same offense. A lot of people looking at financials thinking, well, what are you going to do? Because you have three guys who are arbitration eligible and Chris Bryant, Javier Baez, and Kyle Schwarber. Two of those guys were considered, Chris Bryant was a superstar at one time. Javier Baez was a superstar recently before this past season, really. I mean, 2018 was his big breakout year. 2019, he took an offensive dip, but the defense, he was still a four and a half war player, I believe. And he missed the last three weeks to four weeks of the season with an injury, 29 home runs, almost 100 RBI. I know those are more old school stats, but they're still important. So you're thinking one year left, those two, you're going to get you something. But then 2020 happens. Ugly. Schwarber had a monster 2018, especially in the second half. Second half is one of the best hitters in baseball. Every Cubs fan was talking about how great Castellanos was. And, and hey, Big Nick was amazing. Schwarber actually had better numbers overall in the second half than Castellanos. So you don't know what the, their value is incredibly low. There's no denying that there's low value on these guys. Who of those three get moved is going to be the big question all off season. And we have plenty of time to really dive into that, but I definitely want to get into it right now with some of the outlook of what the 2021 Cubs team could be. Cause I know there is some, depression that's going to set in at some point because even though 2020 we ended scoring one run in two playoff games against the Marlins and we're very very upset about that still a division championship team still a team in which you think if we run the same team out next year you got to like the chances of making the playoffs especially if they keep it expanded but you definitely like the chances of them even winning the division I mean that too um because over the course of a full 162 I don't expect Chris Bryant, Javier Baez, and Kyle Schwarber to hit the way they did. Anthony Rizzo included too. Now, I didn't mention Rizzo because Rizzo's an option of $16.5 million to pick up. I think he's 
more than earned that. I'm a huge Anthony Rizzo guy. Um, I know he had a down year too, but there was still a lot of line drive outs on him. There was still some stuff where I just didn't, I wasn't as worried about Rizzo. Rizzo never had a stretch too badly where I was like, he should not be a top four hitter on this team. He always kind of kept it where I'm like, no, I still feel very confident with him. And, you know, in 2019, he had over a 900 OPS. He's going to be, I think he just turned 31 in August. I like him going into next year. I would even like him for another three or four years. I think that leadership can't be denied. I think he's a great human being who gave us a great deal before. So even if he's not, you know, it's like Lester. When you signed with that six-year deal, in year six, you weren't expecting, you know, an elite, elite arm. And that's just how that goes in free agency. It's very rare that you pay for someone in all X amount of seasons. They're performing at the level in which you expect. That's just not the way it goes. And I'm okay with that. You that's that's the trade-off you make. And 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 be thankful that you root for a franchise that should be able to afford to do stuff like that. So I think uh Rizzo's in no doubt about it. You pick up that option. Um, the extension part, who knows if that happens in this offseason or the, you know, you could talk with him in good faith at the end of the year, too. I feel like Rizzo definitely has roots here now and wants to stay. So it comes down to Bryant, Baez. Schwarber uh, Contreras has two more years of control this season and next season. So I think he's a pretty safe bet. It's interesting though, because he's the one that has the best value right now. So there's a lot of ways to get creative. You could package Contreras and one of the other three and probably get something pretty solid back in return and then take that savings and go out and get a player or two to still compete in 2021. And that's ultimately what I want to see the Cubs compete in 2021 while at the same time, keeping that eye toward the future, because the future is more optimistic than anyone really realizes. I have a lot of face, faith, face, Jesus, Joe. I have a lot of faith in Edbert Elzole. Elzole. I got to start pronouncing that better. Elzole. That right there. See, the problem is you think about it and then that's when you screw it up. Just say it. Come on, Joe. Don't think too much. You'll hurt the podcast. And I like uh, Brandon Marquez is on his way. Brendan Davis, I think, is only two, two and a half years away. It's really tough to guess, though, with any kind of accuracy because there was no minor league season. But he's a guy who's about to be 21. He's still 20. I'm not sure if he's had his 21st birthday yet. But his profile fits very nicely into the balanced approach the Cubs need going forward. Now, I'm not saying I've turned the page and been like, I don't want any strikeout guys. No, you can strike out, but you still have to produce. Chris Bryant struck out 199 times his rookie season and was still an elite player. That's the thing. It's if you're striking out and you're not good, that's bad. Nobody cares if you strike out 150 times, but you you have on base percentage of 420 and you're, you know, hitting 40 home runs. That's fine. You just don't want an entire lineup of 150 strikeout guys. You just need that balance, which the Cubs did have in 2016 with Ben Zobrist and Dexter Fowler. And even Miguel Montero was a guy who made pretty good contact. Fowler left. And yeah, the leadoff spot was, you weren't sure what was going on. And then Zobrist had to leave that five hole. Zobrist in the five hole. The more I've, I've read a bunch of sabermetric stats and they seem to think having a high contact bat in the five hole is really a difference maker over the course of your season. And I, I thought that too. How many times did we see Schwarber strike out, buy a strikeout? And you're like, fuck. We need a contact guy in between them. 
someone who's going to hit a fly ball when there's a runner on third. Someone's going to hit a ground ball when there's a runner on third. Just stuff like that just to keep things moving. You want like high contact bats that are productive though too. Because Jason Hayward and Elmore had years where they were high contact and what they deliver? Zip. So Theo says it's it seems like a, tra- a change is going to happen. Now, do I talk about Theo and it being his last year and what I think? I don't know. I don't think I'm ready to really dive into that because it's, again, I'm trying to keep these podcasts to right around a half an hour. We're about 28 minutes in right now. That'll be a whole nother podcast. I think maybe when the, after the world series, I'll get into Theo Epstein, what I think his final year is going to look like speculate on his future. Maybe because it's not 100% set in stone that he can't be persuaded to come back. But I know from what I hear about Theo, he's a very competitive guy. So I also imagine he's not just going to be like, I'm just a bridge guy. I'm just some lame duck guy until Jed takes over. Or if they hire someone else outside, I think he's going to go for it and he's going to get creative. And it could be a, it could be a sadness in, in a lot of ways though, because as much as you as a Cubs fan think it's time to move on, once it happens, that's when you're like, ah, oh. I remember being so heartbroken when Kerry Wood went to the Cleveland Indians. Cause I thought like I was fantasized cause I was such a big fan of his and those Cubs teams of Kerry Wood coming in the ninth and closing out a world series victory. When it didn't happen, it's like, that's a bummer. So there's still, yeah. I mean, and if you're one of those people who just can't, you got to appreciate the human element to these things. You root for these people as humans and yes. Yeah, so what they start not being good anymore. And that's a bummer, but, and, and there is a time where you're like, all right, they got to go. But it still it still sucks when they do because it's like, man, do I really want to see Javier Baez doing slap tags? Don't want to see a Javier Baez tag montage video of him wearing a different uniform. I don't. I really don't. But in the same regard, he's got one year of control left. I just don't know. I don't know. So I give you, I'll give you a little speculation here. Let's wrap it up with this. I, I didn't really dive too much into things. Um, also for fans. This has happened lately with a couple of the teams I like, not just the Cubs. You can't expect everyone seems to want Theo to just take his press conference and be like, this guy sucks. That guy sucks. Everyone sucks and all that because people go, where's the accountability? Accountability doesn't mean you trash your own team to the public because guess what? You might want to trade some of them. And if you're running around going, this guy's a fucking piece of shit and they're, they're lazy and that, which I'm not saying any of that's accurate or he would say that, but you can't trade them then. Or if you do, you're, you're getting even way less than you might be getting in the first place. You can have a little sense. If you're trying to sell a house, you don't go tell you what, man, uh, every time I do laundry, it smells like diarrhea. There's some weird pipe thing going on. Um, try sneaking in and I just Creek city, every board on this place. Just, Oh my God, man. You hear the neighbors bang. It's just, this house sucks please give me money now. Like that's not how that you do that. That's just a stupid mentality. So uh, off season, obviously high contact bats are big. The bullpens figured itself out, but it's still like another arm. Let's talk about the offensive bats first. And then, uh, you know, so we're going to be talking a lot of off season, but let me just stay right up front. Baseball's finances, the way they are, who knows what's going to happen. I think of the big three guys of Bryant, Baez and Schwarber, I think one of them will be gone for sure. Possibly two, possibly two. I don't know which one's for sure. Rizzo's getting picked up that option. I think Javi stays 
Schwarber, if they don't have to give him a raise, might stay. And I think they're going to try to trade Bryant because of the $20 million or so he's due. They could also kind of twist it in a way where it's like, you know, in a sense, him taking off a year early is probably what's best for both parties. Given the extra year control debacle and that whole stupid arbitration case or the hearing that took forever and may or may not have affected the Cubs' ability to trade in this past offseason, just stuff like that. I think that's why KB might be the odd man out. And look behind me. I've got a Chris Bryant cardboard cutout for those of you seeing the video of this, which I've yet to release full videos of. I should probably get on board with that. Maybe start a new, new YouTube channel. I don't know if I want to see it. I just kind of, I think Chris Bryant rebounds better than Javi Baez in a sense. But then again, I, it's tough. Javi Baez still brings you a lot of value defensively. He could play elite shortstop, elite third base, elite second base. He run the, runs the bases incredibly well. Chris Bryant does too. Um, in a perfect world, you bring them both back. And there still might be. And Kyle Schwarber might be the odd man out. Kyle Schwarber being the odd man out only saves you, you know, projected seven to nine million. I mean, he was making seven million, so maybe about 10 million in payroll, future payroll. You take that you know, wrap it in with some of the money that's already coming off that you want for another starting pitcher. Cause that was something that Theo made. It seemed like we're going to look for another pitcher outside the organization. Cause they like to go into the season with a good six starters for depth, which I, I'm a big fan of that idea. Tommy LaStella, I mentioned a little earlier, I could see him almost taking a little bit of a discount to come back here. He was good friends with David Ross, Anthony Rizzo. If you recall, Anthony Rizzo's famous, I'm in a glass case of emotion. You know, the whole anchorman thing. And he's telling Rossi, like, I can't control myself right now. I'm so nervous. Lastella was like right there. He's like leaning on. I remember when uh, David Ross was in, uh, was on Dancing with the Stars. They did like a remote thing where they talked to, I believe, Arietta and Lastella. Like, so like Lastella's their guy. They like him. He's their boy. So I almost can, can see, even though the Cubs traded Lastella, which I think the Cubs you know, Theo Epstein and him, we used to do prank wars. I think that was almost like a thing where it's like, Tommy, we love you. We want you to get a shot to actually get a 500 bat season. We just don't see you getting 500 bats here. We have Ben Zobris. we got this weird Edison Russell bullshit going on. This is, you know, it was almost like a favor thing, which the Cubs front office has done sometimes to their own detriment. Remember Jason Hamill? They could have picked up his option for $10 million and then traded him and gotten some back, but instead they didn't pick it up because they were like, hey, we owe it to him to go get a multi-year deal somewhere, which is nice and which is a, a thing that I think you know, future free agents will consider when um, wanting to play for the Cubs and or Theo Epstein. I like Listella's bat. He's a five-hitter. I know he's been leading off for Oakland, but like I said, we need a high-contact bat in the middle. He's got some pop. He hits fastballs incredibly well. He's always been a good fastball hitter. You could DH him or have him platoon with Nico Horner at second base. Nico's another guy who I think's going to just develop even more so. We forget we only drafted him in 2018. You know, hasn't had a full season yet. It's because of the weirdness that's been these, the 2020 season. So here's, again, I don't want to dive too deep into this or make this too long of a podcast because we got so much more offseason stuff to get into. I will then leave you with this piece of optimism, my fellow Cubs fans out there. I love you all. Thanks for listening to the podcast. I was looking at payroll for the upcoming year. Now, everyone's worried about 2021, of course. Three options. Cubs either blow it up completely, start the rebuild. They bring everyone back, roll the dice, or they do the patchwork thing, which is what I'm kind of suggesting, which isn't patchwork, but it's like 
hey, you're selling low, but you're getting rid of the money. You can bring them back some people, or not bring them back, but signing some free agents, hopefully on short-term deals to still be competitive for 2021 because, again, the starting pitching is good enough where the window is still open. 2022. I know, I was talking about 2021 a second ago, but now I'm going to 2022, which is why I believe if there is a rebuild, it doesn't have to be a long-term one at all. And if it is, then then fans should really riot. The 2022 Cubs only have three, I'm sorry, four guaranteed contracts. Jason Hayward, 22 million, which will be his second to last season, I believe. You Darvish, which will also be his, this is his third season, so 2024, will be his second to last season. Kyle Hendricks and David Bodie. We're talking 22 million, 19 million, 14 million, and two and a half million. The salary cap hits for those four guys is so low. They will have so much 47. That's a $47 million payroll, which is like, wow, that's nuts, right? And I don't know what the Lux cap will be. I think it raises like almost every year. So it'd probably be like 212 million around that point. But then you don't know because it's CBA and the, you know, baseball's already talking about massive losses. So we'll have to do a podcast about that. Right now, this whole podcast is be teasing future podcasts, but that is so low where you got a guy like Brennan Davis who should be ready around then. Marquez and Adbert will be cheap starters in the bullpen in the start in the rotation, I mean, to go along with aces of you, Darvish and Kyle Hendricks. There's just a lot of possibilities there. You know, Nico Horner, Ian Happ will still be under team control. I mean, these guys will get raises, but this is still a very, very low payroll going in. Wilson Contreras could still be around. Um, so it would be his last year, actually. So there, there's, I'm telling you right now, even if they go rebuild mode, which I still don't want to see a full rebuild, because if you go full, go fill, right? Um, I just don't want to see them get let go of Bryant, Javi, and Schwarber and not actually try to, bring in a couple players to offset that offensive loss, which again, I know fans are like, what offensive loss? They were terrible. You know what I mean? Um, so that's just something to think about going forward. I definitely think, I definitely think if there is something like that, it can be a real quick turnaround. So when everyone was talking about how the finances that, that Theo got us into is just so much trouble, just no, it's look at the big picture. It was never as bad as you think. And I think some of us were fed lies on a few things here or there. Um, I definitely think this ownership has showed that it will spend when close to competing. And I, I think they need to prove that again. They need to prove that again because you, you, just, you just launched a television network. You spent all this money on renovations to your ballpark and um, to not try to put out a winner, even in a year in which you lost revenue is weak. It's a weak move. All right, everyone. That has been a Cubs podcast to be named later for October 12th. Uh, Astros raise, raise up 1-0. Braves Dodgers, go Braves, go Rays. Let's uh let's let's have some fun out there. Stay safe and as always, go Cubs.